Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Jeff Katz, News Radio WRBA. It is Friday. Yes, indeed, we have made it. Congratulations, self high fives all the way around. Lots of information that you and I are going to have to uh, discuss, digest, parse as we head through the afternoon. Uh, by popular demand, at uh, five oh three, two hours from now, we will replay my interview, my chat, my discussion with former President Donald Trump. I I hesitate to call it an interview simply because everybody who has commented on it, and there have been quite literally thousands of people because it's been circulated around the country at this point, uh, but just about everybody has said, man, it just sounds like two buds chatting about stuff. And I thought, well, that's that's what I try and do. I, I don't ever ever conduct quote interviews not me not interested in it all right i have people on the program i find interesting i have people on the program who i think have something to offer and i want to have a discussion I want to have a chat really and so i i was very happy i really was very happy uh, with uh, President Trump when he dropped by yesterday, and uh, I think tomorrow is going to be a wonderful event. If you're going, uh, of course, you've got to beware of the, uh, the traffic and the parking. It's it's going to be packed. There's no question about that. Oh, I, I, did, did I not notice that uh, What's-Her-Face was in town yesterday? Did, uh, oh gosh, I forgot her name. Uh, the the lady who thinks she's running for president, Nikki Nikki Haley, did did Nikki Haley show up yesterday? Somebody told me that she did, and I had I, I mentioned to you that she was going to be at the, what the Westin Hotel on Broad Street, and I couldn't figure out whether it was you know like a single room or a double room where she was going to be uh, having her big event. But uh, I guess she was here yesterday. Nobody told me. All right. Well, I don't think it's any great loss, but uh, if you were there, congratulations. I hope it was fun. Uh, I can guarantee you we had more people last night in Hanover County voting for the next chairman of the Hanover County Republican Party. God, what a bizarre situation this is. Uh, for the most part, nobody ever is is upset or enthusiastic one way or the other when the chairman of a, a local Republican Party 
is being selected, right? Have you ever been involved in any of these things where there was really even a competition? Most of the time, it's like, oh, you know what uh, Bill's going to do it this time. Okay, good job, Bill. Hey, go get him, boy. We're all behind you. That, that's it, Tiger. Get in there. Yep. Uh, this time, however, boy, what a divided Hanover County Republican Party we have, I guess. There's the, the incumbent chairman. And then there was a, a guy who was running against him. And it, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, the current chairman is very soft-spoken, I would say very quiet. Uh, not, I don't think anybody said, oh man, he's like a ball of fire. I don't think I've ever heard that. And the younger guy was all about, hey, we've got to reinvigorate this party. We've got to rejuvenate it. We've got, you know, we need uh, uh, better social media. We need this. And, and they were all very important issues. You know what wound up as a tie last night? I was in line, I guess, at 640 or so. And I, I knew the time was ticking away because in front of me, a, a lovely couple, they had to get uh, plates to their daughter's, uh, I think it was a basketball um, dinner, like the big uh, awards dinner or something. And the, the other parents were bringing the food, which was great, but these folks had the plates and the napkins and the tablecloths, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we just got to get this, uh, get through this line so we get this stuff to uh, our daughter's big uh, event. And it went pretty smoothly, but apparently we had about 750, 800 people show up to vote for this. I... I I never would have expected it. I really would not have. Because the Hanover County Republican Party meetings that I've been to, maybe we get 100 people, I think. But, you know, it wound up in a tie. And apparently, again, I say apparently because I've never, in full disclosure, I've never read the, the actual operating rules for our Hanover County Republican Party uh, establishment. If, if it's a tie, you basically flip a coin. And that's what happened. So it was a tie. Each guy had like, I don't know, 350, 390 uh, votes. And then they, I guess they picked, they, they I don't know, drew numbers or flipped a coin or something. And so the, the current chairman will remain the chairman, I, I don't know, for another year or two years or what it is. My only piece of advice would be, if I'm the current chairman or I'm close to the current chairman, I would take a look at those numbers and say, geez, there are a lot of people who are interested in this other guy and his ideas, and maybe what you want to do is kind of bring him in. Don't look at him as, as your adversary at this point if you're both really honestly committed to advancing the Hanover County Republican Party. Bring him in. Let him be part of it. Give him some stuff to do. I, I think you would be well served. Uh, there you have it. Okay. Uh, coming up at uh, 3.33, Congressman Bob Good is going to join us. And this is going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, there were a number of people there last night who were gathering signatures for Congressman Bob Good. There were some people who were gathering signatures for State Senator John McGuire. John was with us yesterday. Again, Bob will be with us at 3.33. Uh, John has mounted a primary challenge against Bob Good. And what he was telling us yesterday is that he believes Bob Good is not a consistent supporter of President Trump. And he also had some anecdotal information that he said, you know, Bob Good was just kind of being nasty to constituents. I think sometimes, in the interest of fairness in that regard, sometimes people misinterpret 
what people say? And, and especially when you're dealing with very busy people, sometimes like, nope, that's it, nope, nope, nope. And people, oh my God, you snapped at me. It's like, eh, I didn't really snap at you. I, I, so I don't know what that is, what that part of it is, but I wanted to give uh, Congressman Good the opportunity to address that and also this idea that he's not really a supporter of President Trump. And come Tuesday, when we have our actual primary, you know, we've had early voting leading up to it, but after the uh, votes are tallied here in our beloved Commonwealth on Tuesday, I'm going to tell you now, you know, I don't do predictions, but if I had to venture a guess, Donald Trump takes Virginia by a massive margin. And so if you are a Republican congressman in Virginia and you're not really on board with President Trump, I would dare say you're probably going to be uh, an outlier. And you'd have to take a look at the results in the 5th Congressional District. That's where I live. That's where I live. Uh, Congressman Good is my congressman. And uh, I know from uh, my community, everybody that I know here, very, very strong supporters of President Trump's efforts to gain re-election. So we'll, we'll ta- talk with uh, Bob Good again. We'll do that at 433. Th- I'm sorry, 333. 433, my brother from another mother, Stan Andruski, is going to be here. You know, every uh, Saturday morning, Stan has what is easily termed the best weekend radio program anywhere on uh, God's gr- Green Earth. It's uh, called In the Garage with Stan Andruski. Answers all of your car questions, has a good time, and, you know, uh, I just I think the world of him. He's a good guy, so I look forward to chatting with him. And then at five oh three, we will be uh, replaying at uh, as a result of very very popular demand our uh, interview, my interview, my chat, my conversation with former President Trump. All right, lots of stuff to deal with today. I did mention it's Friday. Yes, congratulations, self high fives. We have made it, and I will also tell you. That uh, because it is Friday, there are a certain number of things that are going on right here, right here, on this here little program. Now, number one, because it's Friday, I am wearing red. Today, I'm wearing one of my red Stanford uh, sweatshirts. And, um, well, I wear red because R-E-D stands for Remember Everyone Deployed. Yeah, Remember Everyone Deployed little something started by a couple of marine moms a few years ago. And it's simply about this. It is simply about you. It's about me. Remembering men and women who are serving somewhere other than home. We've got folks deployed all over the world. So R-E-D. Remember everyone deployed. Uh, in addition to that red sweatshirt, I'll tell you what I got my uh, I got my red bracelet on. I, I, actually, it's two red bracelets from a pal Emily Morrissey down there at Emily's Bracelets, Emily'sBracelets.com. And because it is Friday, and nothing says Friday quite like uh, Peppa Pig, I am wearing my Peppa Pig hat just just because. Yeah. All right. Couple of things I need you to remember. Uh, number one, Chronic Care of Richmond text line is always available to you. 833-804-1140. 833-804-1140. That's the uh, Chronic Care of Richmond text line. And as I think about Chronic Care of Richmond, I am reminded, of course, that Chronic Care of Richmond presents politics and pints again. They're great people. Uh, my friends, uh, 
Dr. Snyder and his lovely bride, Janine, the whole team over there, really. There's good people. And they are once again presenting Politics and Pints. couple of tickets left. I don't have actual numbers, and, and that's the closest I can come, except to tell you we've got a few tickets left. That's all that I can do. I would urge you, because you only get them online. We never sell them at the door. You're not going to see them showing up on websites other than WRVA.com. If you're looking somewhere else, they're not ours. WRVA.com. It's the only way to get your tickets for politics and pints. Uh, again, that will be me. It will be John Reed. It'll be Howard Gutman. And Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends is coming in. So we're looking forward to uh, to that. It will once again be at the historic Beacon Theater in Hopewell. This will be the second time, and I think that after that we'll probably move it somewhere else. You know, we're trying to get throughout all of Central Virginia, uh, but it's it's a nice theater. It really is. It's it's it's. I don't want to say old because it makes it sound like it's falling apart, but it is a well seasoned theater. There have been some good shows that have come through the Beacon, and I'd like to think this is one of them. So if you'd like to join us. WRBA.com, that's the only way to get your tickets, and I would urge you to get over there ASAP. It is 315, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRBA. Twenty Jeff Katz, News Radio WRBA. It is Friday. Yes, congratulations. We have made it. Do you need a good laugh? Because I could use a good laugh right now. All right, let me let me give you a good laugh. Uh, oftentimes, as you know, the laughs are inspired by uh, complete and total depraved stupidity, insanity, a whole bunch of idiots. I don't know. It's it's you know where I'm going. It's on MSNBC. I apologize, but somebody has to watch them, and you don't want to believe me when I tell you so. I watch MSNBC so that you don't have to. No, 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 no. It's okay, really. It's all right. Uh, take a listen. Uh, this is uh, Ellie, and I, I I don't actually know how to properly uh, describe Ellie, but uh, take a listen to cut number two, please. Well, you know, Ellie, in the break leading into the segment, you you rightly point out the vested interest that some of these conservatives have in a re-election of Trump as it pertains to their retirement. Clarence Thomas doesn't want to die on that court, and he's getting old, and he's never going to retire during a Democratic president. So Clarence Thomas, one of the reasons why he's not recusing himself is that Clarence Thomas needs Trump to win again so Clarence Thomas can retire. And most likely, Sam Alito needs Trump to win again so Alito can retire instead of having to die on the bench. And so that's at least two of the nine who have a vested professional interest in seeing continued Republican hegemony over this country. And that's not the first time this has happened. As we all know, Sandra Day O'Connor wanted George Bush to be president and thus appointed him president in Bush v. Gore because she wanted to retire under a Republican president. This is how Republicans roll. Mm. I think the word is hegemony. I it just I, 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 I don't want to be nasty, but, but, but honestly, they're Ellie. Uh, I'm pretty sure the word is hegemony because the uh, Chinese at the United Nations were used to scream a lot about uh, America's imperialistic, hegemonistic. Uh, uh, never mind. Uh, really, do you, you think that Clarence Thomas 
gives a crap what you say about this? No, let me broaden it out a little bit. Do you think that Clarence Thomas gives a crap about anything that you say? I, I, I don't think so. Sam Alito, does he care what you have to say? I'm pretty sure he doesn't. And as for this idea that uh, these two gentlemen want nothing more than a Trump victory because they want to retire, uh, dude, I don't know how to break it to you. That's what all of these Supreme Court justices do. Every single one of them feels this way. Every single one of them is appointed by a particular president, which means in reality they share some of, if not all of, the political ideology of the president who appoints them. There's a reason that uh, Ruth Buzzy Ginsburg held on forever. Ruth Buzzy Ginsburg, I believe, was 147 years old when she passed away. Why did she not retire when former President Trump was in office? Well, Ellie, I'll explain it to you. She hated Trump, just as you do. She hated conservatives for the most part, just as you do. And she did not want a conservative. She did not want a Republican. She certainly did not want Donald Trump to appoint her replacement. And so, even though she was extremely ill, she held on, as so many of them do, because she wanted somebody of her own party, own party, to appoint a replacement. Hey, Germ, we don't happen to have the uh, Clarence Thomas feeling good piece, do we? One of the things I say in response to the media is when they talk about, especially early on, about the way I did my job, I said, I will absolutely leave the court when I do my job as poorly as you do yours. <laughs> and that was meant as a compliment, really. <laughs> it really is good to be me. It really is. <laughs> I love that guy. I really do. If you know who I'm talking about, Ellie, was it Mistel, Mistel, Crystal, whatever. I've got the image. I've got that little clip on my uh, Facebook page, if you want to go over there, I would I would be really, really interested to know how you would describe him. Because I'm trying to be as polite as possible, believe it or not. I really am. And I just, uh, oh, somebody on Facebook says, Jeff, he looks like a human cartoon. Yeah, yeah, he's, he really does. He looks like he could be uh, the evil next door neighbor for uh, Bugs Bunny or something. You know, Bugs would be out uh, looking for stuff, and he'd get around uh, the hunting guy. But there would be uh, Ellie, what's his face? And he'd go, ooh, I, I, I think I'm... What a maroon. Yeah, exactly, with the other guy. Anyway, you can take a look at that. It's on uh, the Jeff Katz Show page over on Facebook, the Jeff Katz Show page on Facebook. I've got the little snippet there. While you're online, a couple of suggestions to you. You'd better grab your tickets for Politics and Pints, because this thing just about sold out at this point we do have a couple of tickets uh wrba.com is how you get them i would get your tickets now for politics and pints presented by chronic care of richmond get them now while we've got them wrva.com worried 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. It is Friday. Yes, yes, we have absolutely made it. Congratulations. Self-high fives all the way around. we got a lot of very important stuff that's going on. You know that uh, former President Trump is coming to the area. He will be at the Richmond Convention Center tomorrow. And I don't know if there are any tickets still available for that. You can uh, go to the uh, Donald Trump campaign page to find out about that. Uh, We've got the primary itself coming up on Tuesday, final day, official day of voting. And uh, we have a primary apparently coming up for the Republican nomination for Congress for the 5th District, which is it's interesting. We have obviously a sitting Republican Congressman Bob Good has been with us many times, he's going to be with us in a second. Uh, state Senator John McGuire, who's a member of the state Senate, said, hey, uh, I don't think Bob Good is doing what uh, ought to be done. I've heard that from from voters, and uh, so I'm throwing my hat in the ring. Well, uh, John McGuire was with us yesterday, and I, I always want to uh, welcome Bob Good to the program. Normally here talking about all things congressional, but I, I, I'd love to... Uh, Allow him the opportunity to talk a little bit about the uh, the race as well. Bob, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you again. Well, the pleasure is always mine. Let's start with the uh, the business of Congress first, because I just heard ABC News with this sort of breathless attitude saying, oh, we did it. We averted disaster and we're going to keep the government rolling. Uh, what was really going on with all of that? Well, Jeff, if you like the Biden-Pelosi-Schumer policies that have been in place since they had full control of government, since they did the Christmas omnibus December of 2022, uh, you should be happy with the continuing resolution that was passed yesterday because it keeps all those policies in place. If you like the spending levels that have given us $35 trillion nearly in national debt, a $200 billion monthly deficit that are bankrupting our kids and our grandkids, then you should like the continuing resolution that was done yesterday because that's what it did. It extended that for another uh, 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 week or two. Uh, It's a bridge to a deal between Schumer and Johnson, frankly, Schumer, McConnell, and Johnson. That's why it's great that the Democrat minority leader in the Senate, and I did not misspeak there, the Democrat minority leader in the Senate, who has now said he's not going to run again, thankfully, Mitch McConnell gives us hope for the future because he's been working with Schumer against Speaker Johnson. But they've got a deal that's going to actually increase spending above the Biden-Pelosi-Schumer levels that we inherited when we got the majority a little over a year ago. Uh, And it's going to have 
essentially no real meaningful policy changes to reflect the Republican majority's values, the things we ran on, the reasons for which we asked Americans to give us the House majority, and frankly does nothing. It will do nothing to secure the border. We continue to facilitate or to fund a government that is facilitating this border invasion, and you don't have enough Republicans, out, certainly outside the Freedom Caucus, you don't have enough Republicans who are willing to say, no, not on our watch. We're not going to keep funding the government at these levels. We're not going to keep funding these policies we run against. We're not going to continue to extend FISA surveillance on U.S. citizens without a warrant. And we're certainly not going to fund this border invasion and Secretary Mayorkas's operation of that or Merrick Garland's weaponization of the abuse of power against U.S. citizens, against conservatives, against political opponents, against Donald Trump. We're not going to fund that and just keep giving them money and maintain the status quo. That's what the Freedom Caucus is fighting for. That's what I'm fighting for. That's why I was against the continuing resolution. I expect to vote against the next funding bill, as I have the last few, because Republicans are not willing to truly fight to put this to an end and to stop it. Wow. Has uh, the new speaker held the line on anything, or does it just seem like he's kind of on board with the old way of doing things? No, he has not held the line. No, he has. he's making all the wrong decisions. I'm sorry to say this is a performance-based job. It's not personal, whether he's operating out of fear, whether he's got bad staff in his ear, whether he's consoling himself that, hey, we'll fight next time, we'll fight tomorrow, and that time just never seems to get here, whether he really just doesn't have it within him. But the, the, the crux of the issue is this, Joe. I mean, Joe, Jeff, yeah, the bottom line okay. here is this, Jeff, is that if you are not willing to exercise walkaway leadership and say no, yeah. and, and you're not willing to risk a government shutdown, which is not as bad as continuing the status quo that's destroying the country, quite frankly, when you're not willing to, and you'll accept a deal because you want, you're determined we've got to have a deal, then the Senate and the Democrats just say no to you, and you go, I'll Golly gee, all shucks, we asked for the right thing, but the Democrats wouldn't give it to us. They said no, so, you know, we got to keep funding this thing. That's where we're operating today. And that's how we were operating under the previous speaker. That's why we have a new speaker. But unfortunately, it has been the same uh, over these past four months. Wow. Congressman Bob Good is joining us. Uh, Republican represents the uh, 5th District here in our beloved Commonwealth. Give everybody a sense, though, Bob, because, again, we hear the news. Um, we, in all candor, were burdened with ABC Radio News, which is one of the worst products I've ever heard in 32 years of talk radio. But I digress. Uh, they are telling us... If, in fact, there's a government shutdown, forget about it. There's not going to be any water. There's not going to be any air. You won't be able to eat. Everybody's going to have long fingernails and bad breath. I mean, it's just the worst thing ever. What would really happen if you guys, not you, but if if, if the, the folks there did not go along with one of those continuing resolutions? Well, it's a bit of a mirage. It's a bit of scare tactics, as you know. It's hyperbole. I'm not going to say that there's no pain in a government shutdown or no discomfort or no uh, issues and the longer it goes, the more that's exacerbated. But 85% of government essentially continues. About 15% of what's considered non-essential does get a, have a temporary pause. You know, military still operates, tra- air traffic control, TSA, veterans benefits, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. They're all still on autopilot. Now, federal employees don't get paid. Uh, that's why I've told my, you know, I've requested my pay to be held if, if there is a government shutdown, because so, Congress constitutionally has to get paid. They can't, you have to 
uh, change the Constitution to keep Congress from getting paid. So I've said that we can have our pay withheld if there is a shutdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, we, and we've proposed legislation that if there is a shutdown, legislation, stopgap legislation to pay our military and to pay those who keep us safe and secure. Of course, the Democrats won't support that because they want as much pain as possible. But even though federal employees won't get paid yet, we got four million or so federal employees. They cannot be the priority in the decisions that we make that affect 340 million Americans who are not federal employees. It's got to be turning the ship around. It's got to be saving the country. And if it takes a government shutdown, a temporary pause, and a non-essential part of operations, we've got to be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think the American people are with us. They know the debt's unsustainable. They know the border's unsustainable. And they want somebody to fight for them. Okay, fair enough. Congressman Bob, good joining us. Can you give us an update on the, uh, you mentioned Joe, uh, the, the, the Joe Biden morass? I mean, we, we have a, a border, as we all know, that, well, it doesn't even exist anymore under this administration. You've got, as I understand it, you've got uh, Hunter Biden in front of Congress uh, giving some type of uh, testimony. And if I read it correctly, he confirms that when he was talking with these Chinese companies and talking about, quote, the big guy, He's talking about Joe Biden. I mean, it's, it's a business all designed around access. Where are we with uh, with that? Well, it's very clear that uh, the Biden family business was influence peddling, corruption, even alleged bribery. They had no other skills, no other marketable skills, provide no other goods or services except access to Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And they got paid tens of millions of dollars to do it. It was with corrupt adversarial companies like, excuse me, countries like China, Russia, Ukraine, and so forth. And it, uh, and now this president, you know, has, has, you know, wants to be a competitive partner with China instead of an adversary. He wants to send tens of billions of dollars more to Ukraine after we've sent him $113 billion. Uh, we've got eyewitness testimony, uh, whistleblower accounts, bank records, shell companies, LLCs, visit history, visit logs, uh, travel logs, uh, uh, emails and text messages and and all these kind of evidences that point to the president and his involvement after he lied to the American people to win the election by saying he knew he knew nothing about his son's businesses he never talked to his son about his businesses and we've got all these meetings and these visits and these phone calls and so forth and you've even got checks that are coincidentally going from from Jimmy Biden to Joe Biden his brother right after he gets paid a couple hundred thousand dollars he writes a check to his brother for a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, you've got that kind of a pattern in the history and of course hunters want to say Hey, I was just out on, you know, it's kind of out of my mind on drugs during this time, and I was just lying about access. But then you've got pictures of Joe Biden with his business associates and the testimony from the business associates they met with the, the big guy. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's the, the most corrupt administration or president family in, the, in modern times. Uh, I think it may ultimately prove to be the most the, the biggest political scandal in modern times with with a president. I mean, when we had our own president sitting president accused of bribery, let alone uh, other influence peddling and corruption. And uh, so the evidence continues to mount and, ju- and, and judiciary ways and means and oversight are doing a great job following okay. where, the, where the trail leads. Is there a timeline? Will we know before the election in November what all of this yields? You know, I, I don't want to predict it. I'm not on those committees, so I don't know what the timeline is. I, I think you're going to see it begin the investigation part of it beginning to wrap up. Before that. I, I would just guess on that being that the election some eight months away, yeah. uh, and 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 then the timing of it too. Uh, if that's around the time of the election, certainly from any criminal referrals that are made would go to the Department of Injustice under Merrick Garland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, 60 days later, perhaps after the election, we'll have a new AG, hopefully, God willing, uh, appointed yeah. by President Trump, that would actually 
uh, hold accountable those uh, who, who've been involved with this. And, and we need to do that, whether we're talking about Fauci, whether we're talking about uh, FBI Director Ray, or whether we're talking about A.G. Garland or, or someone in the Biden crime family. Okay, excellent, excellent. Congressman Bob Good is with us. Bob, I mentioned to you, uh, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, you're actually in a primary, as I understand it, in June, uh, Republican Party primary. State Senator John McGuire has thrown his hat in the ring, uh, seeking the nomination against you. He was with us yesterday to address that, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to weigh in on on what he said and and, and talk about your perspective on this entire primary thing. Well, I, while I did not hear what he said yesterday specific to your interview, certainly I've heard some of the things that he said. And I just uh, we trust the people in the fifth district to get this right. We don't think they're going to allow a candidate that is funded by allies of Kevin McCarthy and Eric Cantor to buy this seat. This is D.C. and California money that are, that are funding. This is a, a politician who's you know, averages more than one race per year. He's like in a sixth race in five years. He's run for you know, delegate, and then he's run for seventh district congressional, then state senate, now fifth district congressional, multiple times in some of these cases. And frankly, uh, last year, in order to try to win the Senate nomination, he was praising me, saying we needed more people like Bob Good in Congress. He supports Bob Good. He was saying he wouldn't run against Bob Good. We knew that he would. We knew that he was a fraud in that respect and that he was lying. But he's been captured on videotape. You can go to our website and our social media pages and see where there's video of him saying these very things at at, uh, committee meetings and all. But this is a perpetual candidate in search of a race. He's ambitiously, selfishly, pridefully reaching for the next rung on the ladder. Uh, and I think the I think the folks in, who trusted him with their vote in the Senate District 10 recognized that he never intended now to serve there. He declared his candidacy for the next race before he was even sworn in. Uh, I think that was a breach of trust. I mean, if he had any integrity, he would resign from the state Senate. So he had no interest in being a state senator and has no intention of fulfilling his duties. I mean, he's missed votes to go run around the country, you know, photo opping around the country instead of, you know, doing his job in the state Senate. Uh, so, and I think folks will reject uh, that fact that his whole campaign is based on smears and lies and personal attacks. He can't attack my record. He can't say that he's more conservative against me. He can't say what he would do differently other than, you know, he wishes that we had Kevin McCarthy still as speaker. Uh, other than that, there's not a whole lot more that he can say. And of course, he lies about my support of President Trump. I've said many times, of course, that President Trump's greatest president of my lifetime. I would enthusiastically support his reelection if he's our nominee, which he clearly is going to be. Uh, and uh, I'm going to win everything I can to help him win in Virginia. Look forward to being with him at the rally tomorrow, along with many other thousands of Trump supporters. My family will be with me. They're thankfully, the president's uh, extended to us VIP treatment there at the event. So we look forward to being there because he knows that I'll be key to helping him win Virginia. And uh, so uh, this, my opponent's campaign is a campaign of lies. Uh, he ought to, you know, he needs more media types to challenge him when he's spouting those lies on, on in these interviews and so forth, because uh, they're certainly not based on truth. And uh, but I think the voters of the fifth district see through that. Fair enough. Congressman Bob Good is with us. Now, you talk about President Trump, and, and, you, and you know, I mean, you, you sort of uh, addressed that briefly there. There are people saying, oh, you know, Bob Good says he supports Donald Trump in public, but man, behind closed doors, he's on, uh, he's on this side. He's on the uh, Ron DeSantis team. Uh, do you want to sort of get into that and just, just, just clear that up for well, everybody? That's, that's, yeah, those are silly lies and, and mischaracterizations. Um, you know, take take my opponent, for example, you know, he 
he sent some folks to record me and slice up a, a, an audio tape because he obviously he took out the parts of me praising the president and took out the context for which my remarks were shared. It would be like if I said to you on air here, Jeff, you know, some people say America's not a great country. And if you just run me saying America's not a great country, you would get a different conclusion than what I said. And this is a, a video that was obviously sliced and diced to, for a narrative, for a political operative, for an, who has an agenda. Uh, you know, wholeheartedly support President Trump. The time for for others contesting that nomination are over. The time for talking about endorsing other candidates are over. We all need to be united behind President Trump, doing everything we can. The country cannot afford, obviously, four more years of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would like to think it wouldn't be close because everybody is worse off than they were when Joe Biden became president three years ago. Yep. But we know in our country today that's probably not the case, that it won't be close, uh, yeah. as hard as that is for any of us to understand or imagine. It, it, it is bizarre to think that, but you're, but you're absolutely correct. Bob, I want to give you the opportunity uh, to give your websites, and I, I say plural there, because obviously you're normally on with us as the uh, congressman for the 5th District. We talk about uh, uh, congressional business, but I did want to give you the opportunity, obviously, to address some of the uh, in, in, inter-party uh, uh, discussion. So can you give both your congressional well, side and, yeah. and the other side? Yeah, and I would ask folks to support our campaign if you care about true conservative, courageous warriors and you like what we've done in the th- three years I've been able to represent the 5th District. I'll give you another example of this is a blatant lie that media types ought to challenge me for. My, op- my opponent will, you know, usually incumbent has a financial advantage. In this case, my opponent, funded by the D.C., California Swamp and McCarthy and Cantor allies, will have more resources, have a million dollars to try to smear me. But, but Jeff, remember, he announced, when he announced his uh, candidacy in mid-November, he put out that he had raised $250,000 in his first 48 hours. That's documentable. You probably saw that. Mm-hmm. And then after the 90-day period was over, where he had about 45 days, but because he announced midway through the quarter, he had raised something like 212, 213. You don't make a mistake, Jeff. You don't accidentally say 250 when it's not 250. You don't lose $38,000 over the remaining 40 days. But I haven't heard anybody challenge him on that. And that's a blatant, explicit line. It just demonstrates the character or lack thereof of my opponent. But folks can support me at BobGoodForCongress.com, BobGoodForCongress.com. They can follow me on social media at RepBobGood. They want to follow what I'm doing the House for them. It's Good.House.gov, Good.House.gov. But I trust the people in the 5th District to reject this kind of a campaign by my opponent to reject the, the, how he ran a year ago promising not to do this and how he's breached the trust of the people who nominated him and voted for him over others who actually wanted to be a state senator, uh, which apparently he didn't want to be. And I think people will reject that, and we trust the voters of Fifth District to get it right. Fair enough. Bob, I appreciate you being here, and I am uh, looking forward to uh, chatting with you uh, again in the not-too-distant future. Have, uh, have a blessed weekend, my friend. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be with you. Thank you. That is uh, Congressman Bob Good, 5th District in our beloved Commonwealth. Uh, we're going to get through this primary election on Tuesday. President Trump, again, I don't do predictions, but mm, President Trump's going to win. And then there's going to be a lot of focus on this 5th District. Congressman Bob Good and State Senator John McGuire both vying for the Republican Party nomination for the 5th District seat that Bob Good holds at the moment. That's going to be very very interesting, very colorful, uh, attracting a lot of attention. Uh, if you uh, have a couple of moments here, no, let me rephrase that. You do have a couple of moments here. Go to WRBA.com, please. Get your tickets for Politics and Pints presented by Chronic Care of Richmond. Only place to get them, WRBA.com. We're down to the last few tickets, and we, we honest to goodness, we just like to clear them out. we got to make space. So WRBA.com. 
351, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRBA. Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. It is Friday. Yes, it's the news. We have made it. Congratulations, self-high fives all the way around. I'm going to Australia. I don't think I... I, I, I never imagined I could say that. Honest to goodness, I, I've always wanted to go to Australia. I got a buddy of mine I went to high school with, Seth. He moved to Australia, and we graduated high school. He went to college, got his degree, and then he was off to Australia. That's where he's lived ever since. So it's it's a few years. I'm not the only one who hasn't come back for the high school reunions, right? I, although last year I did, and it was great. And I thought, well, why didn't I do it all these other years? I don't know. But I am going to Australia. Heidi is obviously going to Australia. And my friends from Cruise and Tour are going to be with us on Wednesday. There's so many amazing details that I want to share with you. And, you know, I'm not a travel agent. I'm just, I'm one of the guys like, hey, I I paid you the money for the trip. I want to sit back and enjoy it. And that's what they do. So they'll be with us next week. Really looking forward to that. Politics and Pines, gang, we're like right at sellout level and I don't know how many tickets are left. I'm just trying to help you in this way. If you want to go, you need to act now. It's it's five after four on Friday. I, I have no idea how long the, the handful of tickets will be left. So uh, if you want to go, it's March the 20th, Beacon Theater. It's me. It's John Reed. It's Howard Gutman. It's Brian Kilmeade. Uh, you've got the chance to do it, but you got to go like right now. WRVA.com. Get your Tickets, of course, Politics and Pints, presented by Chronic Care of Richmond. Chronic Care of Richmond also brings us our text line, 833-804-1140, 833-804-1140. Now, I've got a text here that says, Jeff, listening to Bob Good. And I have to tell you, John McGuire did not lie when he said Bob Good endorsed Ron DeSantis, stating that, quote, Trump was unelectable and could not beat Biden, end quote. That was not a sliced video that I saw, and it wasn't a soundbite taken out of context. That's a texter from 804. Uh, another one says, Jeff, I've got the inside scoop on why Joe finally visited the border. His, uh, his staff has been telling him for three years that he's actually been building a boardwalk. And so he finally decided to go and, and walk on it. It's Mark in Midlothian. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, another 804 texter at the uh, Chronic Care of Richmond text line, 833-804-1140. Jeff, a few years ago, I was driving for Uber. I picked up three gentlemen who were getting ready to fly down to West Palm Beach to play golf. I asked them if they had ever played golf with the president or seen him, and they said, uh, yes, we're going down to see him right now. I asked him what he was like, and they said he is the nicest most down-to-earth, friendly person that you ever, ever want to meet. Yeah. I have uh, chatted with a number of friends, some of whom are not what you would consider part of our vast right-wing conspiracy. People who know Donald Trump socially. Not not politically, but, but socially. And every one of them has said exactly that. 
that he is he is charming, he is nice, he is polite, he is down to earth. The only people that I have truly ever heard disparage him are people on the left. Now, I want you to think about that. These attacks on Donald Trump are politically driven. I think they're also driven in no small part by, by jealousy, by envy. Folks who are looking at him say, well, I, I, I don't think it's rich. I, I mean, I don't think it's fair that he's so rich. Why? Well, I'm not rich. Okay. Did you build a gigantic real estate empire? Well, no, but, well, no, that's the important part. I don't know where you are in life, and, and I have noticed, at least for me, things change. You get a little bit older, and I'm not saying that you're uh, 80 years old. I'm not saying you're 60. It, it, it cha- it's different for everyone, but, but there does come a point for most of us where you, you stop being Peter Pan. Right, Peter Pan is the guy who oh man, I am going to get that dream job. I know I'm going to get that dream job. And all I have to do is sit over here and and wait for it. It's not going to happen. Les Brown, who is uh, just one of the world's best public speakers, someone I consider myself a student of, Les Brown talks about this. And he says, you always hear how opportunity knocks on the door, right? Opportunity is, is there for you. He said, but here's what he's found. And he's, I think he's 80 years old now. I had a Zoom call with him uh, a couple of weeks ago. I took a screenshot just because I'm a goober, but 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 I did. And uh, one of the things he says, yeah, sure, opportunity knocks. He says, but it it doesn't keep knocking. You know what I mean? It it, it may knock once. Uh, do you answer the door or do you not answer the door? It may be standing right next to you, this opportunity, and, and, and you don't look at it. You don't do anything. Ultimately, the ball is back in your court. And the more that you live like Peter Pan, right? I'm always going to, I'm just going to be a boy, just going to be a little boy. And I'm going to play and and uh, squander my money or not not look at uh, working hard or, or investing or planning or preparing. Well, hey, you reap what you sow. And I, I promise you, I'm not being judgmental here. I'm speaking from experience. Because when I made this this career change long time ago, I said, "All right, you know, I've I've been a cop for God's sakes, right? I mean, that's real work. I got news for you. You go out there in an eight, ten, twelve hour shift, depending on which agency you are, any time of the day or night, any weather, any conditions, you got to go. And invariably, you don't see people on their best day." Because when somebody calls the local constabulary, it means something has gone wrong. And you got to deal with that. And that is real, real, honest-to-goodness work. I don't care how passionate you are. I don't care how driven you are by your servant's heart. And you have to have both of those things in order to do that job. But it is tough work. And then I, I, I rolled the dice. See, I took a chance. I said, all right, I've always wanted to do radio. I've always wanted to do it. 
uh, tomorrow I will be a day older, and I still wouldn't have done it. So what I'm going to do? So I take a miserable job inside a radio station, and then I take another miserable job inside a radio station, and then I take a job that doesn't pay me inside the same radio station so that I can get a chance to do what I want to do. I have no idea if opportunity was knocking on the door, but I'm pretty sure I saw opportunity. I went and I grabbed it. Now, that's that's 32 years ago. And guess what? That's what you have to do. There, there's always some level of risk. Safety says you don't do anything. You sit by or you do the same things and then you wonder why things don't change. Well, what did Donald Trump do? Did Donald Trump sit back and say, well, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to build a building over there. He said, no, I am going to go. I'm going to buy that land somehow. And I'm going to raise the capital or I'm going to use my money or what have you. And we're going to build a building. We're going to do it. And he did it. It's not an architect. He had to go and find an architect that wants to work with him. He did it. He took the risk. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. That's what happens in this this dreaded free market, man. Unless, of course, you are uh, part of this uh, this whole government cabal that's trying to push electric vehicles, because that one is working without uh, paying attention to the market, and the market continually is pushing back, saying, no, thank you, we don't want it. Don't care how long the extension cord is on your electric car, we don't want it. But when you compete in the free market, sometimes you will be successful and sometimes you will fail. I read a quote the other day. I, I, I don't really want to tell you who it's from because at the moment he's not exactly a, uh, a popular person with a good image. But still the words are right. And this guy said, hey, I'm not afraid of failure. I don't like it. I don't want to fail, but I'm not afraid of it. That's where you have to position yourself. That's where Donald Trump has positioned himself his entire adult life and that's why he has what he has so i know there are people that are jealous there are people that are angry there are people that are envious but you you cannot knock him for being successful you just can't and take a look at the folks around him as he's been successful the people around him have been successful and what did he do as president well, he, he, he raised the proverbial water, right? All of our ships were, were, were rising. White Americans, black Americans, Latino Americans, Asian Americans, males, females, married, unmarried. Everybody was doing better. I'd like to go back to that, to tell you the truth. 415, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. 421 Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRBA. It is Friday. Lots of stuff going on coming up in a couple of moments. We'll chat with uh, my brother from another mother, Stan Andruski. We will be chatting all about uh, his great show, In the Garage. It airs Saturday mornings. That's tomorrow at uh, 8 o'clock. My money, tell you right now, the best weekend radio show anywhere. 
our air, uh, special uh, re-airing, replay of my chat with President Donald Trump. That will happen at 5.03. And one of the things, one of the things that is so entertaining, at least for me, uh, you take a look at, you take a listen to some of the legacy news media hacks, and they, they just hate Trump. And, and by hating Trump, by the way, they hate you. you. You need to know that. They hate you. Uh, they are very, very upset that the Supreme Court is going to hear this legal matter relating to the immunity uh, of the President of the United States. Now, you may or may not recall that the special prosecutor, this Jack Smith, wanted the case to uh, be heard by the court uh, quickly, as did President Trump. Seems like it was one of the few things they agreed on, but uh, not to worry. The news folks are outraged. Cut number four. What does this mean for the former president politically and as he faces these myriad of, of cases? Well, Lester, I've asked the campaign for comment here, and I'm refreshing the former president's social media page because I expect he'll give it, and I expect that the campaign will view this as a huge win, really on two fronts. One, as Laura was just describing, the delay that this will cause. Donald Trump, on the legal and political front, have felt that the longer they can push out any of these trials on any of the charges he faces, the better it is for him legally and the better that is for him politically. Purely in a political sense, Donald Trump has made the idea that he is somehow a target of either the DOJ or Democratic prosecutors in blue states into a core message of his 2024 campaign. And so I think the idea here that he is seen as fighting back against Jack Smith, whom he has tried to turn into a villain on the right, and that he'll get an opportunity, his lawyers will get an opportunity to argue this case in front of a Supreme Court that has three justices he helped see will fit, at least in the near term, the political messaging that he has tried to put all around all of this. Obviously, if the court ultimately rules uh, against him, that's another matter. But in the short term, and that's frankly largely how Donald Trump and his political team assess these things, kind of one crisis followed by the next. They try to knock them down as they come up in front of them. In the short term, it's not only a legal win to have this hearing and to delay the start of the trial. It's a rhetorical and a political win for the way that he likes to talk about all of the cases that are pending against him. Yeah, uh, no offense there, uh, Yak and Pinhead, but uh, for you to presume to know anything about what Donald Trump or his campaign people believe or feel is just so far off the charts that even for a hack like you, it's it's outrageous. The various cases, the things, what, what did he say? Well, you know, they put them up and then they knock them down. Well, they have to knock them down because you keep putting them up. If you would actually do your job, instead of engaging in journalistic malpractice, if you would actually do your job instead of being a bottom-feeding, boot-licking water carrier for the left, maybe, just maybe, President Trump and his campaign could focus on, I don't know, uh, his re-election efforts. Just, just a thought. That's all I'm saying. We got a lot of discussion about this. Did anybody else notice Gutman, Howard Gutman? Howard Gutman's all over my Facebook page. And as somebody uh, astutely pointed out, he gets way more interaction and comment on my page than he does on his. But nonetheless, we bring him to politics and pints because, well, we've been told to. So it's me, it's John Reed, it's Howard Gutman, and this time, Brian Kilmeade. Tickets, couple of them left. WRVA.com. 425, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. Jeff 
Jeff Katz, News Radio WRVA. It is Friday afternoon. We, hey, we've made it. Congratulations. Self high fives all the way around. A lot of stuff that uh, we have uh, dealt with this afternoon. I've got some more sound coming for you of some of the ah, germ. Do the, do the heads actually explode? They're the news anchors who are reporting on the Supreme Court's decision to uh, hear this immunity thing involving a former President Trump and that Jack Smith character. And uh, they get close. I don't know. There's duct tape involved, like wrapped around the head to keep it from exploding. But you'll be, you'll, you'll be able to uh, experience all of that in just a couple of moments. And then at 5.03, I am going to share with you my conversation that I had with former President Trump. Uh, we aired it yesterday. So many people say, man, I just want to hear it again. Is that possible? Or I missed a little piece. Absolutely. Look, you get the chance to uh, chat with the President of the United States. Uh, you take it. And this opportunity, when it presented itself, I thought, well, absolutely. And what I hope came through this, and I'm not sure if it did, but I hope that it does. I've been looking at the comments that have come in from people at this point all over the world who have listened to it have said, man, it just sounds like two guys sitting down kind of shooting the breeze and talking about things. So that will happen at 5.03 want to remind you one more time because uh, this people did tell me about every seven and a half minutes I must buy station policy remind you that you need to go to wrva.com and get your tickets for politics and pints we, we've got a few left honest to goodness I don't want you to miss out they're, they're going to be great great uh, activities there it's me it's John Reed it's Howard Gutman it's Brian Kilmeade coming in from uh, Fox and Friends Fox News so that's that's good stuff couple of tickets left, WRVA.com. All right, I think I have... Oh, and next week... Wait a minute, i got one more, and then I'm going to talk to Stan, I promise. Uh, next week, we apparently are going to have some great tickets for uh, GalaxyCon. There are all sorts of cool people coming in for that. And so we will have tickets to uh, give away next week. Now, I can say that the very best weekend radio show anywhere happens on this station, News Radio WRVA, Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., in the garage with Stan Andruska, and on Friday afternoons, I get the chance to to welcome my brother from another mother to uh, this here little program to tell us a little bit about what he's thinking about in terms of cars. Stan, good afternoon. Jeff Katz. Jeff Katz, the one and only. Bro, I just, I'm telling you, I'm listening, I'm wondering, can I get an immunity clause from electric vehicles and all of the <laughs> questions that we get? I mean, how many questions are we getting a week, including you? I mean, there's just thousands. Uh, so, cool thing we're going to talk about a little bit is, you've heard that a lot of people have that GM and Honda have gotten together, and they're trying to come up with a hydrogen-powered car, which is pretty cool. They actually already have plenty of them. Some of the patents are infringing on Exxon. Exxon actually does, believe it or not, uh, own a lot of the hydrogen patents uh, for vehicles we could have them kicking around town now but why would you do that if you had a business that invested in drilling oil for the last 200 years uh or 100 or however long exxon's been around so they own them for a reason uh so we go from that to they're going to try to have some made to replace diesels which are one of the cleanest vehicles because it does not go to the first layer of the atmosphere so without getting too technical the new push this year are you ready you know i've been saying how important it is we should just go back to hybrids then my Denali could get 40 miles, 60 miles to the gallon. Uh-huh. Everybody's happy. I can still go to the gas station and help all the mom-and-pop gas stations. Millions and millions and millions of gas stations owned by American uh, business owners, foreign business owners, people just that make the world go round. 
Yeah. Uh, and they're, I guess, trying to get rid of them. So, <laughs> the next latest, greatest thing for 2024, drum roll, Jerem, I, I didn't rewarn him. It's going to be an FCEV, fuel cell electric vehicle. So instead of coming up with infrastructure we already have and just going back to hybrids, which is where this is going to end up, mark my words, again, yep. Yep. Uh, with a much better push, they're starting to say we're going to do hydrogen over electric fuel cells. And they have no emissions coming out the tailpipe. What they're forgetting to tell everyone, God, give me the patience. I want immunity from electric vehicles. <laughs> I love them. But so we were talking about immunity. I thought that was funny. Yep. But... They say zero emissions come out of those pipes on the, on the fuel cell cars. Matter of fact, a lot of hydrogen cars will put water. You've got free windshield washes, car washes going on the road. Pretty cool. <laughs> okay, okay. But there's only one place in the country that does, that has a place to use hydrogen to fill up your vehicle safely, and that's California. Oh. So now we're going to reinvent cars that can't be fueled and get rid of petroleum, they think, which is not going to happen. Um, so anyway... You know, these petroleum cars, guys, people forget this. Since, like, 97 to 2002, they're just about zero emissions that come out of these pipes. There's no effect right. that these cars, newer than 97, are having on this environment. None. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. So they're pushing it, and it's just very frustrating. But, yeah, fuel cell over electric, pretty cool. Cool technology. Again, let the market dictate it. I heard you talk about this a little earlier. The market matters. We're only going to buy the stuff that we need, and people can't afford $150,000. EV over hydrogen because it makes people feel like it's saving a half a percent emissions and not mm -hmm. doing anything to save the world. Uh, it's just it's just this push. It's so nuts. it's nuts. So that's what we got going on here. Okay. We're gonna talk about a little bit about that that technology. I was asked about that technology today. Right. Very good questions. We had a lot of listeners and callers last week. I think it was a record. We did not get to all of you. So tomorrow we'll be live again at. I uh, only for Casa Cots or the we'll figure that out, but we'll be live mm -hmm, tomorrow mm -hmm. for sure. Yep, um, and we will be ready to answer all your questions. We are I'm, we're riled up. You and I had a lot of people calling and needing help last week. A lot of questions this week. That's why you and I got into this, yep. and why you stayed on board. Like you made me family, and I made you. I'm not really the host. You are. I just answer questions. It's easy for me. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know about all of that, but it, it, it is a great show and it's a great discussion. I love the fact you're talking about this latest push is hydrogen. You and I have talked, well, for four years now that we've done that little show, and, and even before that, wow. uh, people, I know, people understood hybrid really is the best of both worlds, isn't it? Yeah, and, well, you know, the, if they had put as much money into hybrids, now, now just picture this. You have this beautiful Tesla with a 16 or 1,800-pound battery. Mm -hmm. And what if you took that battery and cut it in one quarters, just quarters, that's mm -hmm. four quarters, okay. you could equip four petroleum cars with those batteries, and that will be enough to get your 40 to 60 miles to the gallons out of most vehicles. Wow. So, and it, you can get four vehicles out of one. We know petroleum is mostly owned, and, and most of the, the real deposits that we can reach that aren't 8,000 feet deep in the Pacific Ocean, those are owned by China. The main African plants, the three biggest ones we know of in Africa that have the lithium, cobalt, they're all in Africa, and they're all Chinese-owned companies now. So there's no regulations on how they're getting this stuff out or what they're doing with the waste. So there's big problems with this, guys. Like, I can't be quiet about this because you all have to know not 
we need you to do your own research like I have. Yep. Even though we love, we love technology. Me and Jeff are technology lovers. Oh, yeah. I love the technology in electric cars. There is nothing an electric car can do except for accelerate zero to 60. Uh, Elon Musk just released his performance car in one second. Now, mm -hmm. yes, I will buy one and we'll run in a quarter mile for fun, but I won't take that car to travel in the summertime to Smith Lake with my boat. I won't take that right. to travel to see uh, my friends in Tennessee or teach other technicians um, and shop owners. But there's a lot we can do with it. So I'm just saying I don't know why we've wrapped up hybrid like this, but it's been a big mistake, and we're going to end up back there, guys. Just watch what I tell you. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's such a it's such an interesting idea. You you'd like to think that the uh, the technology and production is driven by market demands and interest in in these concerns. But the reality, as, as we have acknowledged, and, and part of it may be a, a political social discussion as opposed to strictly talking about cars, but. Yeah. The reality is we've had a government push, and in all fairness, has been this far left-wing government push, and with Virginia huh. now being tied, of course, to uh, the standards imposed on California by an unelected board in California. I mean, it, it, it's just crazy. But yeah, the, the hybrid for a market, a market that says, okay... I want the option. I want to be able to charge this thing or have it charged. I want to be able to stop at a gas station because I'm doing a long I'm driving from here to Miami Beach. You want those options. Options are always important, as you know, in a market setting. Right. And, and, and you're well, just and what you're, right. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. And what, what, here's the thing. In any, in, any, in any product, you have to ask yourself, what problem is it solving? The most right. successful products solve a problem for us. We, we get better gas mileage in a vehicle. You're going to buy a lot more when fuel injection came out, right? Every product that you buy, you stop at Subway. You stop at these places and buy food. Whatever, wherever you're eating dinner with your family tonight, they have a convenience problem they've solved for you. What problem is the electric vehicle solving for us? Mm -hmm. What problem? That's right. If well, you have a hybrid, no, if you have a hybrid now, I don't have to stop at the gas station once every three weeks in my Denali or once every two weeks, it might be a month or six weeks, and I can go way further. It's solving, it's a convenience problem I'm willing to pay for. I'm willing to pay 20 or 30K on my next Denali or next GM, whatever GM and Chevy product I buy next, which is all I buy, and Megan buys Toyota and Lexus. My point is, is any one of those, I'm willing to pay more to get better gas mileage and make it to where I don't have to stop as much. It's about convenience. But what problem is electric solving that's a truthful problem it's not solving anything to do with global warming at all matter of fact it's increasing the problem with it so what is the problem that it's solving and the fact that it's not solving a problem means it will fail uh in the general market it will not succeed like other cars will because it cannot perform like any petroleum vehicle on the on the, on the road since 1990 it just can't yep. keep up with them that's exactly right that's exactly right well, my friend, I appreciate you being here this afternoon. Looking forward to uh, hanging out with you tomorrow, and we will yep. talk all about this. Maybe get a few maintenance tips. It's always it, for me. It's just always a great time. It never feels like uh, work when uh, you and I get together to do this. Well, thank you, Jeff. I think we're just serving Central Virginia. That's what we're all trying to do here. Uh, I love doing it with you. It's a pleasure and an honor to be able to help anybody out there, guys. If you need help on your car, please don't hesitate to call us in the morning. Look forward to seeing you, Jeff. Perfect. Thank you, Stan. That is Stan Andruski. He, despite what he says, is the host of In the Garage with Stan Andruski. That is tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., right here on News Radio WRVA. 444, Jeff Katz, News Radio WRVA.
Jeff Katz, News Radio WRVA. A couple of moments from now, 503 to be exact. We're going to replay my conversation with former President Donald Trump. It was quite enjoyable. Quite enjoyable. You know, there were people that asked me, were you nervous? No. And I, I don't want to sound like I've got some sort of a, a giant ego, but, but, but this is what I do, and I've done it for a long time. And I'm not half bad at it. And I have found throughout the years that uh, the best people to interact with are kind of down to earth. Now, a lot of these politicians have a like a holier than thou attitude, and quite frankly, I've got no time for it, no patience, no interest in it. Just don't care, and I won't play that game. And honestly, if President Trump would have presented himself that way, well, then I guess we would have just had your your standard run of the mill interview, and that would have been it. But this was, for me anyway, it was a real honest-to-goodness conversation. One of the things that came through, and so many people, again, there are thousands of people around the world uh, that have now listened to it. Uh, people said, man, it, it, it was fun. You and he were joking. He, was, he, you, he laughed a lot. You laughed a lot. Yeah, it just, it, it just honestly felt like, uh, like a chat. So we will uh, re-air that at 5.03. Once you take a listen to that in case you missed it or you, you just want to hear it again. Now, there are, you know who The Rock is, right? I posted a uh, photo on uh, the Facebook pages the other day, uh, one of those uh, throwback photos, me with uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, uh, long before he was The Rock. And uh, he is now the most popular movie performer in the world. It's fantastic. Good for him. At the time that... Uh, uh, he was on my show a thousand years ago in Boston. Uh, he he was he was just hungry. Honestly, he just ate every single morsel of food that morning. But now he's a superstar. And uh, the uh, WWE, which is now owned by this TKO Group Holdings Incorporated, first time ever that a McMahon has not actually owned what has now become the WWE. Uh, they have handed over all sorts of intellectual property and trademarks to Dwayne Johnson. See, Dwayne Johnson is his name, and when he started uh, in the business, uh, they came up with a couple of gimmicks, including one that was uh, Rocky Maivia, which didn't really go anywhere, but that's what he was doing. And uh, throughout the years, of course, once they really, I would say, kind of took their hands off, said, okay, well, let's go. Because he, he just had this natural flair, an unbelievable performer. And he came up with a whole slew of things. And in the latest uh, 10K filing with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, it's revealed the WWE has now given Dwayne Johnson ownership of many of those trademarks. He will have full ownership of the name The Rock. That's huge. 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 Rocky Maivia, Team Corporate, Rock Nation, The Nation, Rudy Pooh, Candy Ass, Jabroni. If you smell what The Rock is cooking, the Samoan sensation, the blue chipper, the Brahma Bull, the people's champion, great one, know your role and shut your mouth. Team Bring It, The Rock, just bring it, the people's elbow, Rock Bottom. Finally, The Rock has come back to blank. It doesn't matter what blank Blue Hell, The Millions and Millions, Rock Apocalypse, Project Rock, and the most electrifying man in sports and entertainment. So he now 
owns all of those things. And guess what they also did? He signed a 10-year deal for the WWE to be able to use those trademarks in merchandising. That is gigantic. Oh, and in addition to that, they're paying him $30 million to come back for a limited run with the company. He gets 50% of it this year. He'll get the other $15 million next year. And he was made a board member of TKO Group Holdings. Wow. Oh, yeah. Everybody is headed to Merch City, baby. Coming up at uh, 5.03, we will revisit my conversation with former President Trump. Something to listen to, especially if you are going to his rally tomorrow. I don't know what he'll say from the stage. I, I can sort of predict what it is that the uh, the legacy news media hacks will say about it. But listen to this conversation that I had with him, man to man. And tell me what you think. And while you're listening in the background, go to WRBA.com and get your tickets for politics and pints already. I'm telling you, it is... It's almost all sold out, and I don't want you to miss out on Politics and Binds presented by Chronic Care of Richmond. 456, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRBA. Thank you. Hello, Mr. President. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I am great. I am uh, so yeah. happy. Oh, so happy to be chatting with you today, and we are all excited. You are coming to Richmond, Virginia on Saturday. That's right. That's right. It'll be great. It'll be uh, it's a big crowd. It's going to be a big crowd, I tell you. <laughs> They're looking. People are looking for something after having to deal with this guy for three and a half years almost. It's a horror show what's happened to our country. Think of it. It's so horrible what's happened to our country. Well, Mr. Just terrible. Mr. President, I have I have two sons whose prospects for employment, for life in America that I wanted to hand off to them the last three and a half years, this, this guy in the Oval Office has absolutely decimated their chances. That's right. Well, he's taken away the American dream. There's no more American dream with this guy. It's just, it's just a horror show. And when you look at New York, you look at what's happened to the cities and everything with the migrants just just taking over. Yeah. It's incredible. Now you have migrant crime that's worse than any other crime. I mean, we had in New York uh, two weeks ago uh, migrants fist fighting with cops in the middle of the street. I've never seen that. I've seen people go after cops a little bit where they hit them and run. Mm-hmm. But to be fist fighting with cops, it's like it was a fight. Everybody's watching it. Uh, it is, uh, it's so out of control. And then the worst of course, far worse was what happened to that incredible young girl in Georgia. That was terrible. So it's, and there's much of that. That's not it. It's, there's much of that going on. There's a lot of killing going on. Mr. President, there's such a difference now. I'm a, I'm a former police officer myself, and when you were in office, police officers were supported. Officers on the yep. street were proud to do the job, and, and the morale, the life has just been sucked out of those heroes uh, with, with yep. Mr. Biden. Uh, it's a terrible, uh, it's a terrible thing. It's, uh, you know, the police officers, they can solve the problem very quickly, just give them back their dignity, their pride, and give them authority you know right now if they do something if they do something to prevent crime they end up losing their pension their family their wife their husband they end up losing their house and uh you know it's a terrible thing they've taken away their authority they rob stores and the police are told to stand back and watch these 
people walk out with television sets and everything else. It is so out of control, and I'm giving it all back to them. I'm giving them immunity. I'm giving them immunity from prosecution. Uh, they have to do their job, and we're just not going to let this happen to our police officers anymore. Well, God bless you for that. President Donald Trump is joining us. President Trump, let's talk about what's coming across the border in terms of the numbers. Millions and millions and millions of illegal aliens. Uh, the Biden administration has turned the Border Patrol essentially into uh, into Uber drivers. That's right. It's uh, Nobody can believe it. You know, if you if you look at what's happening, I would say that nobody would believe it. And nobody believes that this could be a good thing. I mean, how could anybody... How could anybody say this is a good thing? You know, I have two theories. They're either very stupid, which they're not because they can cheat on elections very well. Anybody mm-hmm. cheats that good. You know, they rig those elections. But they're either stupid or they hate the country because nobody can say this is a good thing. And now, you know, they sort of probably sat back and visualized these wonderful people coming across, all nice, no crime, no nothing. They're just wonderful. They're poor. They want to make it. They're going to work hard. It's just the opposite. We have criminals coming in. We have prisons are being emptied from all over the world, not just South America, but all over the world. The prison population is way down because it's been dumped into the United States. Mental institution, uh, people from mental institutions and insane asylums are being dropped into the United States. And they don't do anything about it. And then Biden goes to the border like he's doing today, which is a joke. Uh, he's going to the an area of the border that doesn't that doesn't have a problem. He's something, I'll tell you. He's so incompetent. Grossly incompetent at every level. And, and by the way, Mr. President, I thought his not ready for primetime vice president was supposed to be handling the border crisis. Yeah, well, she didn't. She's never been there. She was put in charge and she's never been there. And she's. She's horrendous. I mean, she's just horrendous. It's hard to believe with 350 million people. We actually have no idea what the number is, by the way. But with 350 million people, that this is the best they can do. It's, I don't know. I don't know that he's going to make it to the gate. I don't know. I just looked. And he took his test yesterday, but they didn't do a cognitive test. You know, I took two cognitive tests, and I think it's important to do. But I took two cognitive tests, and... I aced them both, in all fairness, I must mm-hmm. tell you. I aced them, which I, they say is a very unusual thing, almost unheard of. But I uh, aced them both, and uh, he should take... I actually think a president should be forced to take a cognitive test, if you want to know the truth, but somebody said it's unconstitutional, so oh. whatever. Well, the difference, of course, is that when you were president, there wasn't a single solitary person out here in the real world who thought, geez, I'm not sure if President Trump is up to the job. I mean, we knew. No, I I didn't have I didn't have any of that. Actually, there was a moment when they used that. You know, they do so much misinformation. One day they say you're a dictator looking to take over the world. You're a super genius and, you know, you can't be stopped. And then. When that doesn't work, they do something. But there was a little moment where they said, oh, maybe he's not a smart guy, blah, blah, blah. So that's when I said, get me a cognitive test. And I actually killed it. (laughs) I killed it when I I reported the numbers, when the numbers got reported. So it was pretty good. No, these are bad people. These are people that are looking to destroy our country. And I think he's just a pawn. I don't think he's calling the shots. I think he's just a pawn. That's the issue that I think we have to address. President Donald Trump is joining us. President Trump, we look at this. Uh, Joe Biden, I, I think everybody, even the people who in theory support him, look at him and go, man, he's he's like a presidential meat puppet. Somebody else is pulling those strings. No, he's not doing anything. He's And he goes to bed early, yeah. wakes up late. He sleeps well. <laughs> he's uh, he's not a uh, 
He's not a president. And he never was. If you go back 25 years, he was not a smart, you know, he was not one of the smart ones, I can tell you. So I know that for a fact. And uh, he's, he's, and now he's, he's impaired. Now, uh, whether or not he makes it sort of interesting where the, uh, the report came down on the documents where it said he's, uh, he's not smart enough or capable enough or, or really just, he's just not there to defend himself in court, but it's okay if he's president, right? How outrageous. Like, oh, my gosh. That's a beauty. It's, it's insane. That's another beauty. Oh, it's absolutely incredible. I want to remind everybody, <laughs> President Donald Trump is coming to town on Saturday. The doors open at 3. President Trump will be uh, uh, on the stage at 6 o'clock. You've got to go online. I have the, uh, the links posted on my social media because you don't want to miss this. Mr. President, uh, after you're reelected in November, because uh, I, I just have to think that, that everybody is sick and tired of this, this misery we've been in for the last couple of years. After you're reelected, how on earth do you revamp the economy after all the intentional damage that this guy has done? Yeah, tremendous damage. And at some point it is going to hit us. And frankly, if it's going to hit us, it should hit him because he's destroyed. We had the greatest economy in history. And now we have uh, a very, the only thing good is the stock market. Yeah. And there's a lot of thought. I was watching this morning, a lot of very smart people. They say the stock market's up because they think I'm going to be elected. You know, I'm leading in all the polls against yes. this guy. Yes. And they think I'm going to be elected. And the stock market has gone through the roof because of that. And I think there's truth to that. I, I just, I don't see how this country has any hope with him as president. I think we are hopeless as long as he is in that Oval Office. It's not inspiring. He's not. Look, we looked at you, sir. We saw a man of strength, a man who was able to get the job done. And this guy, you just think, boy, I, I guess he's having tapioca again today. No, it's never been. Never been. An, even sitting, I guess, yesterday with the ice cream, answering yeah. important questions. Yeah. And then he's, he's licking his ice cream as he's talking. It's just so terrible. It's so terrible. It's so sad to see. And I wish, frankly, he were a great president. I wish I wouldn't even have to do this if I thought that was. <laughs> I wish you were. I honestly, I'd love to see him be a great president. If he was a great president, I'd be very satisfied. Yep. I had a very nice life, and you know, when I came in, it was Obama, and Obama had a terrible border, and I straightened it out to a point where I couldn't even talk about it in 2020. And then in 2020, as you know, I got millions of more votes, millions and millions more votes than I did in 2016. We did better yep. than 2016, but it was rigged, and it's one of those things, and now we're doing it again, and we're going to swamp them. The one way you stop the rigging is to swamp them, and then we have to change the electoral process where people's votes actually count and aren't getting lost, and uh, ballots aren't being dropped all over the place, fake ballots. I have to assume, sir, that part of the reason you're coming to Virginia this Saturday, and again, the doors of the Richmond Convention Center open at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You're going to need to be in line because these rallies are always filled to the rafters. But I have to think that part of the reason you're going to be here, sir, is that you know that Virginia is in play for the general right. election, right? That's right. That's right. It's in play very much. I think everything's in play. I think yeah. New York is in play. But uh, it is in play, and I'm coming because we are putting it in play, and we are going to make it a part of our very strong process, and we think we can win Virginia. Uh, it's, I mean, it just doesn't make sense that we're not going to win Virginia. Yeah. And, you know, I was told one, uh, two times, you don't win Virginia, you just don't win it. And I said, why? And nobody can really give you an answer, but it's basically, <laughs> they say you don't win it. 
And I, I'm putting it in play because I really believe it's very winnable. And I see the people. I know the people. They're incredible people. And they love our country. Yes. And there's no reason uh, not. So we're putting that and we're putting New Jersey as an example, yep. which is a place that is not doing well. And I mean, all these places that are getting hit by migrants, I think, are in play. You want to know? I think New York is in play Wow. because New York is 400,000 migrants now taking over the parks, the playgrounds, taking over everything, and causing tremendous crime. Yes. So I think New York is in place, so we're going to give that a good shot, too. But, no, we, we want to do something in Virginia, and I hope all the people – we're going to have a big crowd on Saturday, and Saturday semi-evening, mm-hmm. and it's going, to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. I hope you're going to be there. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I, I have to ask well, you make one – sure you see me. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Make oh. sure you see me. That'd be great. <laughs> I would love that. Let me ask you one final question on the way out. As you were talking about Virginia being in play, uh, it's clear that these primaries have really been over since, well, since they began. Why well, on earth is Nikki Haley still out there pretending she's running for president? Maybe she's not very smart. Look, I've known Nikki for a long time. It's not. She's not very impressive one-on-one. And I will tell you that... Uh, all you do is you spend money. Now, the last one, I haven't heard anything much about her since the last victory, because as you know, the Michigan was big, South Carolina was big, they were all so big. But the last one, we won by 42 points, okay? That's big. That's big. That's big. 42 <laughs> points is big. It was, we thought we'd win by 25, 30, something. We won by 42 points. And honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's sort of sad. Now, I don't know. Maybe she's got something in mind. Who knows what she has in mind? Mm-hmm. But do you notice I haven't seen one story about her in the last three days since that because it's sort of over. I think the Super Tuesday is the worst state we're doing. We're leading by like 50 points. <laughs> As you know, there are many states. Yeah. And I think I think our worst state we're leading by 50. Jeez. So she's going to have to do a lot of campaigning very fast. <laughs> But uh, now it's it's too bad. The party has to get together. We have to beat Biden. The Biden is our problem. He's, That's exactly right. He's got some. What he's done to our country is unthinkable. If people came back from even before, just just when I was elected, or certainly prime time, because we did things with the country, we had the country going at a level that it's never been at before. And yes. then you know when COVID came in, we had to get that fixed. We did a yep. we did a great job in that, but we never got the credit. I got a credit for the military for knocking out ISIS for all the things, uh, the economy. Never got the credit for COVID. We did a really good job, but you know that came in and it was brutal for the world, the yes. whole world. Yes, the world suffered with that one. And but nobody has ever seen anything like what we did you know we had the greatest economy in history we were number one in oil we were going to be energy dominant we were going to dominate saudi arabia russia everybody we were the number one by far and in every way our military was great we just defeated isis there were no new wars knocked out the real bad ones and bad guys and we were at a level that we've never been and it was respect all over the place even even we were doing so well, I was getting calls from radical left people wanting to get together. I mean, I, I'll tell you, success brings them together. And we were really African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, uh, Asian-Americans, everybody, women, men, people with great diplomas, people with no diplomas. Everybody was at the top in history. There's no group was doing less well than, than they had. No, there was one group that was down. 
Every group was at new records, no matter what category you talk about, rich, poor, the middle income. Middle income people were doing better than they had ever done. Interest rates were low. People were buying houses. And now it's like a mess, other than the stock market. And they say that because they think I'm getting elected. That's why the stock market's up. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Every time a good poll comes out, because I'm leading Biden everywhere, that's why they go after me. You know, that's why they've weaponized government, which is a disgrace, frankly. Yes. But I'm leading them, and every time a good poll goes up, the market goes up. It's very interesting to watch. Well, I'll tell you, Mr. President, you brought it full circle, uh, talking about uh, where we were, where we are going to go when you are reelected. And I, I want to share this as I uh, let you get on with your very, very busy date. Number one, I thank you for being here. Number two, I have to tell you what I've told so many uh, folks I know in your campaign who were with you throughout all of this. I said, you know, when when Donald Trump came down that escalator, gosh, I just didn't believe he was running for president because I thought, well, why does he need it? I mean, he's not going to be more famous. He certainly doesn't need more money, right? I mean, he's right. he's got everything. And what you proved, not just to me, but to every American, sir, was that you were doing this for the right reasons. You were doing this because of your kids and your grandkids and my kids and i i will be forever in your debt for doing that well thank you very much i will say i don't think you'll ever see another rich person run because what they they brutalize every step you've made for you know for 200 years literally i mean they just brutalize you these maniacs and it is really uh, it is crazy i don't I, i actually I actually believe that. I think it's it's very hard. You know, you do a deal a week, and you make a lot of money, and you do these great deals all over the place. But the good news is now I do it for the country. And, yep. and we, you know, we did USMCA. We did the greatest trade deals, all the stuff we've done. It was so, so incredible. We had the best employment numbers. We had the best work numbers. We We cut taxes. You know, we cut taxes, the largest tax cut in history, the largest regulation cut in history. That's why we did so well. That's why we had all the jobs that we had. So it was an honor, but uh, certainly they don't make it easy. You know, they come up with phony charges like Russia, Russia, Russia. And it took it took two and a half years to get that monkey. That that was just terrible. What they did, what they did with that and and actually dangerous, you know, that puts you in danger because of other countries, you know, when, when they do that stuff. And it was just a fake deal made up by. The DNC and Hillary and Schiff and all these maniacs. So we did great. We did a great job. I think we've been credited with it, and I think that's why I'm leading in all the polls. People want to go back to it. There's no doubt about it, sir. I am uh, looking forward. You you invited me to stop by, so I am going to stop by. I want to shake your hand. You are invited, no? (laughs) Yep, we want to see you. We'll see you backstage, and it's going to be a big one. Richmond. So take care of yourself, and thank you. You have a great show, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you, my friend. That is uh, President Donald Trump. God bless you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again. Jim Katz, News Radio, WRBA, Friday evening. Thanks again, President Donald Trump. Great conversation. I want to share a couple of uh, quick texts that have uh, come in uh, in that last couple of moments on the uh, Chronic Care of Richmond text line. And I I think, you know, people on the left talk about a waiting period. You need to wait seven days before you buy a gun. I think people should wait, I don't know, seven minutes uh, until they're allowed to send a text. But that's just me. 
Hey Jeff, 804 texts on the uh, Chronic Care of Richmond text line, 833-804-1140. Hey Jeff, keep kissing that orange butt. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, this one is directed at Stan. Wow. Oh, no, I'm going to... Are you trashing electric vehicles because your entire business is based on maintaining gas guzzlers? So, Stan's not here to answer that, but I can actually answer that because it's it's one of those things that people just really, honestly, just don't understand. Uh, certified Auto Repair, which is Stan's shop, 8401 Oakview Avenue in the Lakeview section of Henrico, by the way. They can work on electric vehicles. They do work on electric vehicles. Uh, there are more problems, it seems, with the electrical, electric vehicles as opposed to your traditional combustion inter- internal combustion engine. So I think if you were trying to uh, use that sort of a line, and I get it, eh, people that are doing it, but you have to understand it doesn't make any sense. It makes exactly zero sense. And yet people say these things. If you've not listened to Stan's program, which is tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. in the garage with Stan Andruski, you'll hear about how much he loves the EV technology. That's the weird thing is that he and I, I mean, he's far more mechanically inclined than I am, obviously, but, but both of us love the technology. It's really, really cool stuff. It is, however, this move by left-wingers inside government operations to try and force people to purchase one. I happen to be a firm believer in the free market, that dreaded private sector. You want an electric vehicle, you buy an electric vehicle. You want a hybrid, you buy enough. Uh, well, guess what? The companies say, geez, that's the, that's the thing that's going to be selling. We've got to make more of those. That's the way this works, not a, uh, a government uh, dictator coming in and saying, you are going to have an electric vehicle or you will not be able to leave your home. That's kind of where we are with that. Would you go, please, WRBA.com, grab one of the last few remaining tickets for politics and pints. Do it now, WRBA.com. It is 526, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRBA. It is Friday. We have made it. Yes, congratulations. Self high fives all the way around. So much that I have uh, tried to uh, get through uh, this afternoon and into this evening. I hope I've uh, done all right with that. Yeah, I got to remind you, it's on the list. Uh, WRBA.com. Get those tickets for Politics and Pints. They're almost all gone. I, I just would wish upon you. The, the, the ability to go to WRBA.com, get your tickets now so that you don't lose out. That's all. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, great piece here that I have to share all about the state of Oregon. Now, I don't want to mock this too much because there's a lot of dead people involved. However, back in uh, 2020, when the, uh, the George Floyd hysteria was uh, all over the place, Make no mistake, I'm not minimizing the the murder of George Floyd, but the response to it was just so absolutely, positively insane in so many places. And one of the things that the uh, leadership in Oregon, all Democrats, by the way, decided uh, they should do was to legalize all drug use. 
60% margin. November 2022, 60% margin. The voters of uh, Oregon passed something that's called or was called Measure 110. It, it, it legalized everything. Everything. Here's how it was reported. You ready? The state would deconstruct the existing punitive and ineffective system that criminalized drugs and build a new apparatus in its place. People would no longer face criminal penalties for uh, possessions of substances like fentanyl and methamphetamines. Long calcified pathways through the criminal justice system that reinforce societal inequalities would be abandoned. Wow. Treatment options for those struggling with addiction. Funded with hundreds of millions of dollars from the state's legal marijuana tax would be widely available. They decriminalized every drug. Period. End of story. Whatever you wanted in Oregon was okay with them. Now, the federal crime, sure, still a situation, but they just let it loose with everything. New federal data shows that Oregon has the steepest increase in the country of overdose drug deaths. You want to know how much it's up? 1,500%. 1,500% since they decriminalized every single solitary type of drug. 2022. Last year that's available, 1,000 people died in the state of Oregon from opioid overdoses. 1,000 people. Wow. Data coming from the Portland, Oregon mayor's office. Four times more homicides occurred in Portland in 2022. Four times as many homicides occurred. All drug-related. Homeless people now have taken over large parts of the state of Oregon. Oregon turned a blind eye. Portland, in particular, turned a blind eye. They, they said to Black Lives Matter rioters and the thugs from Antifa, no, no, it's all cool with us. You know what's happening right now? They're recriminalizing all of those drugs because they don't like what happened. Now, they did it to themselves. And unfortunately, along the way, a couple of thousand people died as a result of this nonsense. You want more nonsense up at Harvard? Oh, by the way, that's, Har- that's uh, Howard Gutman's uh, school. Har- Howard went to uh, Harvard. The DEI director up there, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion director, uh, she has just been hit with more plagiarism allegations. I'm not talking about what's-her-name, who, who was the president. No, this is somebody else, not Claudine Gay. Uh, this is yet another person who got her job because of DEI. She was the director of DEI, Sherry Ann Charleston, Harvard University's chief diversity officer, has now been accused of even more plagiarism in a new complaint. Now, this is this is sweet. Uh, among other things, she claimed credit for her husband's work. Wow. Top cancer researchers at Harvard have now been accused of scientific fraud involving 37 different studies. Researchers are accused of manipulating data images, copy and paste in Adobe Photoshop were some of their favorites. Good Lord. Wow. 
diversity, equity, and belonging. I I, I do apologize. Apparently, uh, uh, Ms. Green up there at Harvard thought that diversity, equity, and inclusion was uh, inclusion was such a big word for the Harvard students, so she calls it belonging instead. There are instances where she has taken words, phrases, passages, almost entire paragraphs verbatim from uh, other academics. No attribution, no quotation. Again, just copy and paste. This is uh, a little bit like, uh, what's her name? Hey, Germ, don't we still have a CNN defining what uh, plagiarism isn't? These plagiarism allegations uh, where Claudine Gay has had to issue corrections, um, multiple corrections. Now, we should note that um, Claudine Gay has not been accused of stealing anyone's ideas in any of her writings. Uh, she's been accused of sort of a, more like uh, copying uh, other people's writings without attribution. So it's been more sloppy ap- attribution than stealing anyone's ideas. But it is the literal definition of plagiarism. And you know what? Every child understands the concept of plagiarism. They may not be able to spell plagiarism, but they can tell you, oh, no, you can't copy off of somebody else's paper. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, she wasn't accused of, you know, this plagiarism they're alleging. It's, it wasn't somebody else's idea. Hey, I got news for you. You can absolutely plagiarize somebody else's, quote, idea. Because most of my ideas and most of your ideas were initiated by looking at somebody else's ideas. What you can't do is copy and paste somebody else's work. I mentioned this immunity situation. All right, there's uh, Jack Smith who's on a tear up there in D.C. Just just one of the uh, the, the lawfare people uh, deployed against uh, former President Trump. And the Supreme Court has said, yeah, yeah, we're going to hear this case, and uh, we're going to hear it sooner rather than later, I guess, so that we can get to it, or ra- or later rather than sooner. Whatever, whatever works best for the court, we just want it done. Take a listen to cut number five. We begin with the Supreme Court agreeing to hear Donald Trump's claim that he is immune to prosecution on federal charges of attempting to overturn the 2020 election. That puts his trial on hold, serving the former president's strategy of pushing his trials past the presidential election. In deciding to take up the issue of presidential immunity, the Supreme Court has effectively delayed the most far-reaching criminal case against Donald Trump. The delay is already something of a Trump victory, raising the real possibility that the trial could be pushed back until after the presidential election. With this delay, even if the trial was able to happen before the election, it would likely take place against the backdrop of the political conventions later in the summer or in the heat of the fall campaign, possibly, George, after voters in several states have already started casting their ballots. Ultimately, this question of of immunity is not likely to be a close call. They're going to rule against Donald Trump there. So why take it? This really is all about the clock. I mean, this always has always been about the clock. And now this is a really big win for Donald Trump. Practically, there is absolutely no way the judge is going to schedule the trial for after the election. What does history tell us about how quickly the Supreme Court might decide this? The move further delaying any trial in the case, likely for months. And if Mr. Trump wins, the charges would be dismissed. The Supreme Court's involvement on this could hand him a win or a loss. But either way, the calendar works to his advantage, making the chances that he will face trial before Election Day this year 
on charges of trying to overturn the last election, more remote by the day. This morning, the U.S. Supreme Court handing Donald Trump the gift of time. But with no firm date for its final ruling, the prospect of a federal criminal trial being completed before the November election becoming increasingly unrealistic. Oh, okay. Do, do you want to, you want to like a, a Kleenex or something? Look, I'm distracted. I'm, I'm, and I'm only distracted because the libs of TikTok over on X, uh, Chaya has just uh, posted an unbelievable video. And it's of a dude dressed as a woman, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bree Fram is uh, pictured in the video lecturing all sorts of uh, U.S. Air Force people about how you should not be mean. Do, do you think the uh, the leadership in uh, China is concerned about this? No, honestly. You think Xi Jinping is looking at Lieutenant Colonel uh, Bree Fram and going, ooh, we don't want to mess with them. Oh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll never be able to have a victory there. It's just so sad. It is another example of uh, why we absolutely positively have got to elect Donald Trump in November. Uh, Last best hope, make no mistake about it. Uh, Do you follow women's basketball? No, of course not. Nobody follows women's basketball. Let's be honest about that. However, there's a, uh, a female basketball player. No, no, a, a woman, a woman playing college basketball who's who's setting all sorts of new records and the woman who used to have all of those records uh cheryl swoops who used to play where did she play at uconn i don't remember uconn was always big for uh, for women's basketball as i recall and then she played in the wnba right you don't know what it is either but wnba the women's national basketball association if in fact there was no difference between men and women you wouldn't have to have the nba and the wnba you would just have the nba and and everybody would play together but anyway so this cheryl swoops is all upset take a listen to cut number three so for people to come at me and say that i made those comments because i'm a racist like first of all black people can't be racist but like that's the farthest thing from my mind. Like, I grew up in a very small West Texas town, predominantly white. My best childhood friend is white. Went to predominantly white college, won a national championship. Pretty much everyone on the team was white. Like, we're sisters to this day. Like, like that's not a part of my DNA. Um, I have, like, no issues with Caitlin, her breaking the record. I think obviously is a tremendous accomplishment. Um, but I, I think what Caitlin has done for not just college basketball, but for women's basketball, period, I think has been great. The following people watching the game, sellouts that we haven't seen ever. Yeah. Uh, essentially, if I could paraphrase, what you just said there was hey, some of my best friends are white. Head over right now, WRVA.com. Get your tickets for Politics and Pints, March the 20th at the Beacon Theater in Hopewell. Me, John Reed, Howard Gutman, and Brian Kilmeade. 545, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. Self High Five. Yeah. Diamond Dallas Page, little DDP. Diamond Cutter. 
Make a note of it, Germ. I got I got to post uh, a photo of me with uh, DDP. Uh, good guy, by the way. I mean, Paige is just a he's a good guy. I mean, what what can I tell you? He he's done so much to help so many. A lot of people don't realize that. But uh, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, has helped so many guys who are in the business that wound up as addicts. He's got a lot of people clean. Jake the Snake Roberts, man, he, by all accounts, his own accounts, he should be dead. That's what he said. And uh, Page came along and got him cleaned up, got him sober, and uh, reinvigorated his career. In many ways, had to start from... From Jump Street again. So I, I knew a lot of guys, unfortunately, unfortunately, that uh, just blew every single cent of their their earnings. Uh, coming in on the Chronic Care of Richmond text line, 833-804-1140. Jeff, whatever happened to that apt, tight, applicable, applicable little phrase, quota hire? Huh. Well, well now we call it uh, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? That's how a lot of people see this. Got to tell you. Jeff, you get a feather in your hat for your Trump interview. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Let me uh, share this little uh, snippet. And you know what it also means, Germ, as I'm looking at it? It'll mean there'll be no soggy salad, at least to kick off the week. And I guess that's okay. Uh, Cut number one, CNN, which, as you know, is doing its best really to be MSNBC. They've got one of these far left wing wackadoodles, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, uh, who's who's another Democrat who does not actually know what the word genocide means. Cut number one. So the service member said that he can no longer be complicit in genocide. Two questions for you. Do you consider what Israel is doing in Gaza to be a genocide? And do you consider the president as a result of that to be complicit in a genocide? Look, I am going to tell you what I believe in terms of first uh, condemning the horrific uh, Hamas attacks. Uh, Terrorism should not be tolerated in any part of the world, including in Israel. And I also have said very clearly that uh, in going after Hamas, uh, killing innocent civilians, what, 30,000 nearly, uh, women and children, uh, that is not how you prosecute a war to address terrorism. We have to have a ceasefire, and Abby, that's what I'm calling for. Uh, I called for a ceasefire early. We have to get uh, a political and diplomatic solution so that uh, the hostages can be released, so this this terrible death and destruction and violence can stop. And I'm concerned about uh, an escalation into a regional war with the United States embroiled in it. And so, of course, it's in our national security interests also, and we need to continue to call for a ceasefire, and we need to call for uh, the stopping, the the end of the killing of so many civilians, so many children, so many women. Uh huh. Okay. Well, uh, how do you define? Well, wait a minute. She, she, she's referring to women. Excuse me, Madam Congresswoman. Can you define what a woman is? How dare you? Oh, and while you're at it, what do you mean by child? I hear the term child because I'm the father to uh, three kiddos. Child, I think, yeah, three, four years old. The children, quote, that she's referring to, children, these are 18, 19, 20, 25-year-old young men who were engaged in terrorist acts against Israel and anything they perceive to be against them. How about the children flowing across the southern border who are 18-year-old nationals from China? Anybody care about those things? It's just, oh, God. 
right? Military age men, 18, 19, 20 years old, in great physical condition. But you're going to call them children. Okay. Listen, since October the 7th, uh, we have ended every Friday evening show uh, by playing Hatikva, that is Hebrew for the hope. It is the national anthem of Israel. And because it's Friday, I wish you a Shabbat Shalom. If you're Hebraically challenged, simply means have yourself a great weekend. God willing, we get the chance to do this all over again on Monday, starting at 3. Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.